Welcome back to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work Guide Live B2B Jam Session. Hope you're having a happy Monday wherever you're tuning in from. For example, tuning in from Oakland, which is incredibly sunny today in California. Thank goodness. And personally, had the best weekend of my life. Got about 38 hours of sleep. I guarantee you it was amazing. If you got some sleep this weekend because you had a great last week, please let us know. Show us some love because I was sleeping like forever. And I, <laughs> I right now I'm like super energetic due to the fact that this weekend was like the longest nap I've ever taken this weekend. But aside from that, how was your weekend? Let us know in the chat. And more importantly, get excited for the few people we're going to be having on today's B2B Jam session. They are amazing people. In fact, We'll have our common and freaking guest, Mr. Prem Kumar, who's the CEO of Human Lead, Ephraim Yarmak, who is actually the leader of the Project 100 Hires, 1,000, not 100, 1,000 Hires movement, and is also the host of Founder Stories. His mission is helping one person at a time get rehired during this pandemic that we're all going through. And we're going to have the lovely Lauren Ortiz, who's a senior technical recruiter at rallies. And she's going to be talking a little bit about, we're all going to be talking a little bit about candidate experience, what leaders can help to improve the candidate experience within their organizations, but also how candidates themselves can have hope in this current pandemic that we're going through to understand how they can get jobs and more importantly, have a great candidate experience for themselves, but also hold organizations accountable in providing a great candidate experience. And we're really excited to dive deep on this because there's been so much conversations around so many people getting laid off and having issues getting rehired during this pandemic that it's incredibly timely for us to talk about this. And I'm excited to be talking to these two experts, including Prem, who is literally a maestro around this and has an organization that offers a great candidate experience for candidates. And we're really going to dive deep. But but before we get before we dive deep, we'd love for you to share your comments, share your notes, what you're excited to hear about in the comments before I bring them on. And also let us know how much sleep did you get this weekend? Because if you're anything like our amazing guests, I'm sure they got a lot of sleep this weekend. And more importantly, they're excited to be a part of our conversation. So shout out to Miss Price who's saying, hi, Tim, looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much, Danita, for joining us. We're excited to have this conversation. And more importantly, Danita, if you're going to love this conversation, show love. Make sure you're liking this right now. Make sure you're sharing this with your network on LinkedIn. And I'll go ahead and bring in our amazing guest. What's up, Lauren from Imprem? How you doing? Hi. Hey, Tim. Hey, how are you all doing today? You have Good. to teach me, Tim, how you got 36 hours of sleep, man. If I can get seven hours a night, then I'm good. So please inspire me how you did it. This weekend, this weekend I got lucky. I'll have to tell you that. I was really, really lucky this weekend. Ephraim and Lauren, where are you all tuning in from? I'm in Seattle. Okay. I'm, in Seattle. I'm in Sacramento. Okay. Sacramento, California, right here in, in Cali. We're not yep. too far, Lauren. No, nope, two hours door to door from Oaktown. <laughs> and we're based out of Brooklyn, New York. Wow. So we have a global, uh, our guests are global and our audience is global, which is awesome. Want to show love to Tiffany Gold, who is saying, I'm excited to hear about how to get noticed and rehired instead of the countless rejections that she's had during this unprecedented time. You know, let's go ahead and get started there. Ephraim, I would love for you to, you know, define what does the ideal candidate experience look like from your perspective? Wow. Okay. So before we even get into that, the whole ideal candidate experience, you know, I think, you know, the main message we want to be, give out to people that, you know, something just, that um, 
Tiffany just mentioned, and Tiffany, this is directed specifically to you, is that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Is that there's a whole community behind you that's supporting you, as a community behind you that's giving you support, and the community behind you that's rooting for your success. And we are definitely here going to help try as much as my ability and Lauren and Prem and Tim of how we can help you get rehired. But wanting to know the first thing is that you're not alone and we're here to support you the ultimate way. Um, and I think just to start off with one concept, you know, the ultimate candidate experience is, you know, we have to know, first of all, that every single individual person here will all have our own emotions that we're all human, right? So we all have our own needs. So from a company perspective, that even though right now, we're dealing in a time that where it is a company market, but we can't forget that eventually times will turn and it will come a candidate market. And people, mm-hmm. people don't forget what they go through. So at this time, when you're going through a candidate, the ultimate candidate experience is making somehow that person feel special and thanking them obviously for applying for the job, um, giving them the ability to know that they were heard. And even though they might not be the right candidate, and that's okay because unfortunately there's so many candidates right now, there's thousands upon thousands of people but giving each person that you know that time of the day, like me personally, I probably receive at least a hundred messages every single day from candidates, from companies, from people. But and it takes you know a good two three hours every night to sit through all the messages and I try to get back to them every single night and the next day. But from a recruiter perspective, I know it's very difficult. I've spoken to hundreds of recruiters already um, during this time. But to try to give that individualistic approach mm-hmm. of making uh, connecting with every single individual person because each person is special in their own unique way and letting them know that. Love that. You know, and it's so important, right? Because in and with, with everything going on, what's what matters more even now is compassion, empathy, and being very transparent in terms of what your hiring process looks like, but also as a candidate realizing that look, you know, everyone's experience is gonna be different. Not all organizations are right. awesome. And you know, eventually the tie will turn it being a candidate market once again to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, Laura, you do a lot of work as a recruiter. Once you talk a little bit about your background and talk to us a little bit about, you know, what should candidates be kind of bracing themselves for as they continue to look for roles during this time? Yeah, that's a really great question. So a little bit about myself. Um, I started recruiting about five years ago. I started off at a staffing firm. I didn't realize I was going to be a recruiter. It kind of just happened. And then here I am five years later, um, decided to make the switch to a startup out here in Sacramento called Skyslope. Big shout out to them. Uh, Sacramento startup It's one of the it, what it is the fastest growing startup in Sacramento. Was there a second recruiter there? Uh, so I did a lot of the technical hiring, but then also handled the corporate side of the house. Um, um, then on then I switched over to AWS. So I was a recruiter on Amazon a little bit and um, supporting CloudWatch, RoboMaker, Kinesis. And then I uh, just recently made the switch over to Rayleigh. So we're actually a grocery chain, but my job is to really help grow and scale their IT department. And I'm really coming up with processes and creating that really great candidate experience so nothing's slipping through the cracks. Um, so I've kind of done a little bit of everything from the technical side, but also like the people ops of the house too. So that's a little bit about me. Wow, that's amazing. So for you, have you been seeing that a lot of candidates have been incredibly frustrated throughout this process when they're maybe applying to Rayleigh's or, you know, you're talking with them and how have you been kind of comforting them throughout their process? Yeah, I I think 
again, empathy is so huge in everything that's happening and every organization recruiting wise is so different. So that candidate experience and that workflow is going to look different given that company's bandwidth, right? Um, so it really just depends like at Amazon, if you could only imagine this is before the pandemic, how many applicants we would get for one single position. And, and a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the qualified candidates, um, their application will get kind of not pushed to the side necessarily. They wouldn't come up in our algorithm for whatever reason, right? Because you're pulling in bullying strings and really looking through candidate applications. And a lot of the times um, we get candidates who aren't necessarily qualified for the position and we get an influx in, in those applicants. So it's really hard to kind of juggle that, right? Mm. Uh, we're able to get through it. But again, um, now fast forward to the pandemic. I think it's really important to have just a genuine conversation and making that extra effort of sending that denial out, even though, you know, it does take an extra, you know, maybe like 30 minutes or so, but that's when automation really comes in key mm. with everything that's happening, right? So I, I've really taken this time to look at our workflow at Rayleigh's, right? Okay, where, what is our candidate experience like from start to finish and really kind of figuring out the bottlenecks and pulling, pulling data to help us figure out where can we automate the process a little bit more. So those denials that are being sent out, um, yes, it may not be as personable, but I think as a recruiter, it's really important to get back in touch with anyone who applies, regardless mm -hmm. if they're qualified or not. And at the end of the day, it's going that extra mile and making that little extra effort mm -hmm. it might you might you know be at work a little bit longer than expected but um I, I think just putting in that effort as a recruiter that's really important to me because that's your brand's reputation mm. um but i think also not do not being afraid to take the time with candidates um and especially in that denial it's all about the verbiage um especially let's say for example someone uh, interviews with me and I, unfortunately they're not a fit i always make sure to say hey you know you weren't a fit if you have a couple minutes i'd love to give you feedback so really putting putting it back on the candidate so i just because my bandwidth i just don't have time to give feedback to every single candidate that i interview so mm -hmm. I, I think it's all about the verbiage and the workflow that's really mm -hmm. what it comes down to and then again that Piece. Yeah, that's powerful. You talk a lot about AI and automation and how that's really important in terms of how you think about the candidate experience. Want to show love to our amazing community who's currently tuned in right now. Shout out to Danita who is tuning in from Seattle. She is saying Seattle in the house. Well, east side of her. Right, <laughs> you have a fellow neighbor tuning in from the backyard. Austin, Texas. Kathy Foster. Thank you so much, Kathy. Appreciate you for tuning in. She's also feeling what Tiffany Gold has said, who is incredibly excited to be a part of this conversation. Tiffany is saying thank you from, for inspiring her from the bat, from the start of this episode. She's already feeling your inspiring words. Also, I want to show love to Kathy once again, who's saying candidate experience right now is incredibly unpleasant, and she's excited for us to dive deep and talk about this. You know, I also want to show love to Mr. Daniel Onyanobi, who's saying, hi, Tim. I'm so excited to be here. My weekend has been the most stressful ever in his entire life. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, Daniel. He looks forward to hearing how to improve his presentation to recruiters. With that said, Prime, let's let's get dive deep on that, right? So Daniel wants to know, how does he improve his presentation in terms of how he's showing, him, showing up to recruiters who are interested in hiring him as a candidate? What do you have, what are your thoughts on that as a CEO of one of the hottest SaaS startups in the world right now? 
Yeah, well, I think it's kind of a two-sided thing. So I'll start on the employer side. Um, and I, I think similar to what was said earlier, I think employers need to lead with empathy. Um, you know, it takes a takes a village to hire a, a candidate. And so it's not just the experience you have with the recruiter. It's what happens when you meet with the hiring manager after that. It's, um, you know, who you who's the first person you see at the company is when, well, in the in-person scenario, when, when you um, are going into an in-person interview. So I think, I think having a holistic approach from a, starting from an employer side around how you lead with empathy. And I'll, I'll answer the question as well, but I, I do think it's a two-sided thing. It's not all on the candidates. It's not mm. all on the hiring team. Um, you know, I think um, similarly to, um, you know, what you kind of see when you're making a sales pitch is I think just being as targeted as possible, um, using personalization, being authentic, um, not being afraid to, to bug, the, bug the recruiter if you haven't heard back, um, you know, trying to bring your whole self. So maybe it's not just a traditional resume. Maybe you come up with a really super, super, super targeted cover letter. Um, so, and, and there's also a lot of different, I think, forums and ways in which you can engage with recruiters now versus just the application. So through social media, through LinkedIn, um, and then I, yeah, and then generally going back to the other side of the house on the employer side, you know, it's kind of, it always reminds me of like, like sales and marketing tools where I think we, the sales and marketing tools have existed to allow salespeople to engage at scale. Like right now on the recruiting side, only 20% of candidates ever make it to a human. If 20% of sales leads, only 20% made it through, I mean, you'd be losing tons of money. And, and I think right now employers are spending time and money to attract candidates to apply. So they, they should be now using some of these tools and, and they're starting to emerge. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, on the candidate side, I, I would really maybe talk to someone you know who's a recruiter or in sales and kind of ask them. But I, I'd be curious to hear, hear Lauren's opinion as well, since he has a lot, lot more experience in working directly <laughs> with candidates in terms, of, um, in terms of what they can do to stand out. What, what are your thoughts on it, Lauren? Yeah. And then Kathy, I saw your comment here um, really fast. You had four interviews and not heard anything for five weeks and their recruiter is not responding. I'm not sure what company you're interviewing with, but that doesn't sound good. Yeah. I would follow up with the recruiter um, and just kind of um, let them know that feedback. Um, as a recruiter, I've honestly made mistakes of forgetting to get back to candidates. I'd be lying to you if I said I was perfect. Wish I was, definitely not. Um, so I would definitely follow up with them. Um, but in terms of making your resume stand out, um, I, I really think it's adding those extra touches. And what I mean by that is um, showing links and embedding them within um, within your resume to showcase your actual work. Uh, for me, I'm a very big um, data person. So if you're showing me analytics and you're actually showing me what you can bring to the table and not having generic um, bullet statements like help led a team to create um, an amazing um, sales experience or whatever that bullet point is. That's really bland bullet points. So really making sure that those bullet points are meaty, they have data, you have specific examples. Um, some A trick that I've actually started doing is embedding a bit.ly link into my LinkedIn profile on my resume. So I don't know if um, I'm sure some of you guys are familiar with bit.ly, but it's a, a link tracking application. So you could see how many times someone has clicked on your LinkedIn profile link. And as a candidate, I, again, very big on, um, you have to look at the data a little bit and figure out, okay, how many places am I applying 
is my LinkedIn profile getting clicked on? And Bitly is a great way to do that. So you're actually seeing if your resume is actually getting looked at. But um, main bullet points, I would say, um, make your resume stand out by really showcasing your work. Um, don't keep your bullet points generic. Use that data and really keep track of your own personal metrics, right? How many how many applicants am I getting, or applications am I getting out in a day? How many am I hearing back from? Then that way you could really start figuring out your plan of attack. Um, hopefully that made sense, but um, yeah, Bitly is my best friend. I use it for literally everything, if, so I could see who's been clicking on what. So yeah. And first of all, I want to know whenever you're ready to leave rallies, I want to hire you. That's the first. <laughs> thing. So you know, every, we need more good recruiters like you. Upon <laughs> such an amazing point, and I think one of the amazing points we're so far we're all discussing about is you know showing how you know being human. And also having that individual approach that every single there's an individual person that took the time to submit the resume, to go through the whole entire process. And one of the things you touched on, I like the fact that in the in the and resume process, it's not just showing generic type of things, but showing, you know, exactly what you did. I think also another thing to add, which I think a lot of employers miss out on, and this is essentially my goal, one of the goals of a thousand hires, is to change the resume fact that really showing who a person is in the, from their value standpoint. You know, what are their values? What are their beliefs? Who are they as an individual person? Something that, you know, we really miss out on currently right now in the whole entire candidate experience where it's more about, you know, dollars and cents over here, you know, because this person actually do the job. And obviously they have to do the job, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. But from the fact of approaching from an empathetic standpoint, showing like what are their values? What are they, who are they to believe in? And having that as like sort of as a new resume to a certain degree, uh, you know, making sure that matches up together with the organization and your potential teammates is something else to take into account and all that. Yeah. You know, let me ask you, because you started an amazing movement from around 1000hires.com. By Please. the way, I want to make it public right now. The goal is 30,000 people. Wow. 30,000 people. Talk, tell us a little bit about what inspired this movement and what's been the progress so far. Sure. So, you know, I think as human beings, we connect through stories. We, we yeah. connect through stories and we connect through shared experiences. So I'm going to take the quick moment to order to share a quick story of how this whole project got inspired. And there's two stories that I specifically link our mission towards. So there's a famous story of the starfish. I'm not sure if you heard about the story of the starfish. You know, the story of the starfish is that this old man, a grandfather and a grandson walking on the ocean front. And the grandson, they come across the ocean and they see on the shore, there's thousands upon thousands of starfish. And the grandson sees the grandfather go ahead and picks up one starfish and throws it back into the sea. So the grandson asks the grandfather, what are you doing? Why are you picking up one starfish? It's not going to make any difference. You know, can't you see the thousands of starfish here and you can't do anything about it? So the grandfather turns to the grandson and says, listen, I can't help thousands of people, but I can help that one individual starfish, take it, put it back into the water. That one I can help. And wow. that's what a thousand, a thousand hires all about. It's a sense of inspiring every single individual person, one person at a time. Now we could think we live in a world that has 6 billion people, even more than that. And a person could think, who am I? I'm a small little person like myself. I'm a small person in Brooklyn. How can I affect 6 million people and make a positive change in this world? You know, so the best thing we could do about it is that I can't affect 6 billion people, but I can affect one person. And that one person could go ahead and affect another person. And that one person could go ahead and affect another person. So that way we're creating a whole positive network of change that we could eventually affect 6 billion people. And the second story I'd like to bring out about a thousand hires is that, you know, and back in the olden days in Russia, you know, they didn't have street lamps. So what they had was lamps with fire all around the streets. And used to have a individual, used to have a person go every single night with a massive torch and a fire on top to go light all the lamps. 
And this person was called a lamplighter. He would go and light every single lamp. And I believe, and I, and I truly believe that every single individual person has a fire within them, mm. a fire that's waiting to be ignited, a fire that's waiting to be inspired. And, you know, combine, and that's what we do. When we interact with every single individual interview, every single person that we interact with, there's hundreds by now, we go ahead and we're lighting the fire within them. So we're igniting the torch within, within them to go and get help them get their job. Now, our belief is that when you give someone a job, you're not just giving them a job because before someone gets a job, they're in low, when they don't have a job, they're low self-confidence, which doesn't just affect them. It affects them, it affects their family, it affects their friends, it affects their surroundings. So all of a sudden, there's a whole negative impact around them. What we're doing is when we go ahead and touch one person, individual's life and help them get a job, we're affecting change in them. We're affecting change in their family. We're affecting change in their friends and their social circles that they could go ahead and be a life, be an inspiration to the people that come around them. So we're making them leaders. And that's what a thousand hires is all about. Inspiring and making leaders with every single individual person we, we touch that they could go ahead and inspire someone else. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to accomplish that. You know, we've done hundreds of people. Thank God, a, a tremendous amount of people got jobs. Obviously not enough. We're trying much more every single day. Um, and that's a, a whole entire mission. And the mission was born out of the fact, looking at the world right now, what can we do to help all the people that unfortunately were laid off? Not due to their fault. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's our mission. That's what we're trying to do. Man, that's inspiring. First of all, I'm inspired. And I know Lauren and Brett are inspired as well. And I'm we ready to go run two miles right now. Like, let's go. Let's, let's do this. If you might have a career as a motivational speaker, let me tell you, man. Um, <laughs> what a show love to our amazing community that's tuning in and is just loving everything that we're talking about. And we're going to actually address some of their statements and questions as well. So Kathy's saying, I love paying it for So she's feeling you and the movement that you're building out, Ephraim. You know, we have a LinkedIn user saying, I'm feeling the fire from Ephraim. These things are just on another level i can feel that too my brother you know J jelena is saying i love your mission mission ephraim so she's feeling it as well and everyone is pretty much inspired by you right now so i we have another comment from mr michael sabo who's saying kathy Fawcett, that sounds incredibly frustrating would you even want to work there after being treated that way probably not love that you all are having a conversation in the comments with each other so stella is saying resumes should have numbers and percentages what value did you bring to your job? And Lauren has commented this as well. So she definitely agrees to that. Want to actually go back to a, a statement that Stella mentioned earlier that we weren't able to get to if I can find it. You know, I think that she said something about, uh, let's see here, let's, 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 let's see. Well, can't find it, but it, she said something about LinkedIn really is a great platform for those looking for jobs and for those looking to hire. Right. So what are your thoughts on that, on people using LinkedIn um, as part of their candidate experience in terms of how they find opportunities? Prem, thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, it's an extremely powerful tool. I mean, there, there's it's a great way of connecting with people quickly. Um, you know, one thing and um, one thing I'd be interested to hear um, from Lauren and Ephraim as well. And by the way, Ephraim, you, you have to get the domain name uh, 30,000hires.com now. So you're up, up, in the, up in the goal. So hopefully that's not, by now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's not taken. But um, one of the points that Lauren made earlier around, you know, using tools like Bitly to test engagement when you put out your resume and what not. And I'm curious, like when you do that on LinkedIn, what from a recruiting standpoint, what's acceptable in terms of if I'm a candidate and I submitted my resume through the standard process and then I see a recruiter liked it, do I, can I like 
direct message them? Is it bugging them to comment on their stuff? Like, I guess how, how much stalking is too much? Because I do find that LinkedIn generally is a good way to get that direct engagement. Um, but as a candidate, you also might not always want to overdo it. So is there a balance there? And I'm be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I, that's a great question. Uh, I just, I think given everything that's happening right now in the world, building your network is so important. Um, your network is your net worth. And I completely believe in that. So um, let's say um, you're a candidate and yes, you send your application, you don't hear back, but then you connect with the recruiter on LinkedIn or there's some type of interaction, feel free to reach out. I think as a recruiter where I get really annoyed is if I tell someone, hey, like, I'm so sorry, like it's not the right fit right now, but let's definitely stay in touch. And the conversation continues and then it gets to an argumentative standpoint. Mm. And that's that's the thing as a recruiter, I have to kind of protect my time, right? So I have no problem like answering and building relationships with candidates on LinkedIn. I think that's a great tool. And um, I'm a big person in terms of paying it forward. Like if I know of another recruiter who's working on something that might be similar, I, I'm gonna put your information out there, right? Or I'm gonna keep that in mind. I think where it gets a little, um, Annoying is like when it's the consistent follow up of like, why didn't, why wasn't I selected? And mm -hmm. um, so feedback from a candidate, like if a recruiter gets back to you on LinkedIn and they give you like, hey, like just it's not the right time. Um, you know, I strongly suggest don't continue on the conversation. I think like leaving it as like, oh, well, if you know of anything, let me know. Um, and, and that's just coming from a recruiter's perspective, because the last thing I, I hate, denials are my least favorite thing to do as a recruiter. Like I absolutely hate it. But at the same time, like I have to also protect the business and the hiring managers have their needs that they need um, that they need in this person. Um, so to answer Prem's question, I know that was a little long winded, um, but um, I would say, yes, reach out, build that network, build that relationship, because you just never know who someone's going to know or um, just LinkedIn. There's so many great opportunities. And I think that's a great way for a candidate who is looking for a job to really build their network and to get um, a, a lead in. Um, you know, I think nowadays, like candidates have to be a little bit more crafty in how to get their app, their application out there. So yes, connect with recruiters, build that relationship. Um, and even, even if you or don't have a job right now and are struggling, use LinkedIn as a way to do courses. Like, what are you doing in your off season? So I empathize with oh, everyone. It's the off season right now. You know, yeah. unfortunately, layoffs happened. And, and again, it sucks. But what are you doing to sharpening your, your toolkit and sharpening that axe and really um, taking your resume to the next level? Continue to apply. But as a recruiter, I'm going to ask you when I get on the phone with you. So what have you been doing since, um, you know, getting laid off? And every, a, lot, a lot of candidates I've heard said, I've been applying, I've been applying, but I haven't really heard a lot of candidates say, well, this is all the off time I've been doing. These are the classes I've been taking. So keep that in mind as well when you are um, interviewing and reaching out to people. Think about this time as your off season and how can you make your technical skill set better? Um, so hopefully that was helpful for everyone. That's powerful, Lauren. That's powerful. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on this? Yeah. So first of all, Lauren, like I said, you're totally different than all the other recruiters I know. And it's incredible. <laughs> amazing. I definitely don't hope, I, I, I honestly believe that, and I hope I don't get hit for this, you know, from the recruiting recruiters, but you should not be a recruiter if you do not like people. 
you know? And no, don't do it. <laughs> just do don't it. do it. And a lot of times, unfortunately, you're able to see now, like the difference between who's doing it just because they need to do a job and who's doing it because they actually want to make an impact in someone else's life and helping them find the right job. And that should be, it has to be really, people have to really think about that. And you're able to see now of everything you mentioned, I think what you mentioned now is perfect, you know, and I think obviously from a candidate standpoint, people, I see a tremendous amount of people taking that initiative and learning new courses and doing new things in order to up their own personal skill. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, if you're not in the business of loving people, if you don't enjoy talking to people and, and making a difference in someone else's life, don't be in the recruiting business. You're you're affecting, unfortunately, negative change in so many people's life when they're going to go through that experience of not receiving the feedback and not receiving all these other types of processes. So make sure if you're in the recruiting business, you absolutely love people. Um, the second point you mentioned, I thought was very, very, really good. Um, one second, just get my mind. It'll come to me in a second. <laughs> I forgot. But okay, well, wasn't that good then? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, we well said like this, you know, a lot of times, you know, in recruiters, when it, I think recruiters should also implement this, is that when it comes down to the situation of two different candidates, and you mentioned you did that, you do it, is that you have one or two candidates, which usually ends up in every single situation. You choose one over the other, you know, that's life. But you should, if that second one that was already vetted, you know, it's really meets, meets all the criteria. There's no reason why not you should take that candidate and really recommend him to an, either another department within your company or to another uh, um, recruiter or another company saying, hey, here's a vetted candidate. He meets all our requirements. Unfortunately, we weren't able to choose them, but I highly recommend you go ahead and see if you're able to work for them, work with them. And that's something I haven't seen a lot of people do that. I'm sure people do, but I have not seen enough of it. That's for sure not. Yeah, I think it's really all about the the company, right, and how many recs they have open and what roles are transferable. Um, and I think um, just last last point is the internal team has to really have a concrete grading rubric in order to give that specific feedback. And that's what it comes with the candidate experience. It's not just with the recruiter. It's not just with the candidates, also with the hiring team and how we're building out rubrics of grading out these technical candidates or even non-technical candidates and really having concrete data of why we did not move forward and what other departments can they potentially work in down the road. Um, you know, I know for myself, I have a pipeline of people who, of IT folks who I passed on, but I know they would be great fits once we have, you know, another senior staff and um, SRE uh, position available. But I think it really comes down to the internal process and how we're grading our candidates. Um, and and that, at that point, you're able to provide really concrete feedback if, you know, you are sending that denial and you do have to hop on the phone with them because, you know, they could tell if you're lying to them. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, you get the generic of, oh, it's not you, it's us type of thing, but um, having a really good built out technical rubric um, gives recruiters that backbone. And, and that's just to add something that we need to do and challenge ourselves as internal recruiters to really build out a strong grading rubric. That's powerful. So I want to show love to our amazing community. Tiffany, she has a, a huge statement and a, a point of conversation for us all is do videos to recruiters showcasing your skills get to recruiters? How do you recommend sending a video message if so? What's the best software to do that? I'm going to say a thousand hires.com. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's a quick plug. <laughs> a thousand hires.com, Tiffany, check it out. You know, and you know, some people do use video as a way to, you know, get into the pipeline and don't think that's a bad idea. And I, and I, and my personal take is that even using video or maybe creating video content on LinkedIn, maybe bite-sized video, 90 seconds, 60 seconds to say, Hey, 
you know, my name is so-and-so, these are my skills, that could maybe trend. And you can maybe tag your favorite recruiters in the comment. And that's an easy way for you to gain, gain that visibility. And that's just a quick tip. But I think, you know, using a YouTube video, a uh, creating video on LinkedIn, or just sharing it in, in terms of in a, in a recruiter's DMs, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. And I think video is starting to become a huge norm and recruiting as well. You know, I want to show love to Danita, who's saying, recommend being strategic about your search end to end. So be intentional about the company, the industry you want to work in, and all of that. So Daniel's asking you, Ephraim, you know, you're so cool. Are you bringing the movement to Africa? So first of all, Daniel, I'm just a regular old, you know, young boy in Brooklyn. That's it. Um, <laughs> trying to make his difference in the world. Um, yes, we are actually live in um, we've done interviews in every, almost not every country, but everywhere from Germany, Switzerland, London, Dubai, um, Israel, Saudi Arabia, um, Spain, Argentina, Colombia, Mexico, Australia, um, almost every single, not every state in the U.S. yet, but we are global. And we do interviews in your native language if you're looking for jobs in those countries, too. Um, but just to touch upon your point, um, Tim, we mentioned before about videos. We are seeing a lot of people, you know, after they do their video on a thousand hires, are taking their video link and sending it to recruiters. Um, we've seen a lot. I have personally have received um, messages from uh, from directly from recruiters from companies like Airbnb, Facebook, um, other few other bigger companies, Uber, saying, "Hey, we saw a thousand hires. We saw we actually received videos." from your uh, people that have done it and we know we really enjoy it. So we definitely know it's a trend that's working and we're actually working on something in order to make it a bigger thing um, for people to stand out because we're all about the candidate experience. You know, how could you create more awareness around the candidate itself, you know? But our table, when we have a discussion about like, you know, what decision we're type of making, we have an extra seat at the table for the candidate. You know, that is a candidate seat and that's what, what are we gonna do for them? Um, and that's actually one of the bigger trends we're seeing a lot about right now. Love that, Ephraim. So I want to show love to my co-founder, Taban Cosmos, who's saying he's enjoying listening to us all. He's saying a long time ago, about seven years ago for him, he applied for an internship at Microsoft, and he never got a call back, sadly. He applied more than 30 times, 30x, y'all, 30 times wow. for jobs and internships so that he knew he was overqualified for. He wished people like you all existed a long time ago. He's happy to be a part of your movement, Ephraim, as well as yours, Lauren, and Prep. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Taban, who is tuning in. You know, Danita is also saying he, she recommends creating content around what your specialties are. Have a group Zoom calls, post about it, do articles. Someone said earlier, tell your story through your content via LinkedIn. Loving this conversation. Want to show love to Mr. Soxman, I believe, Mr. Jonathan. But what about staffing agencies? What do you all think of them? Do they still have a place in this buyer's market? He's felt frustrated lately because they represent themselves as having a good relationship with the client but can lead to nothing in the end, not even an initial client interview. What are your thoughts on that, Lauren and Ephraim? Lauren, we'll let you go first. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a great conversation. Um, I, I started off in staffing, so I definitely have love for firms and what they do. And I think staffing firms, depending on your hiring roadmap, they can be very beneficial, especially if there's a mass hiring initiative. There's some really great things about staffing firms. But I'm going to be very transparent. There are some staffing firms who just plain out suck. Like that's just what it is, unfortunately. And so I, I think as a candidate, making sure that you do your research on the actual staffing firm themselves before really diving in. I know some staffing firms, and again, not to knock 
staffing firms again, but really do your research to see what clients that they work for, um, read some reviews. I would just recommend that before spending all that time and energy um, working with the staffing firm. Um, so that's uh, my, my first point. But then um, I think staffing firms are great. If they have a great credibility, they're a great way to get your foot in the door. I just think it's a matter of finding the right staffing firm that fits your actual needs and doing the research. Um, so that's my suggestion to, um, you know, utilizing staffing firms. I think they're great. Um, I've utilized them before in the past. Um, but definitely just be careful because um, it, it, I've had some bad experiences with staffing firms myself and, and I'm a recruiter, right? Um, so just make sure you do your research and make sure that the clients that they're working with are, um, it, everything's credible. Wow, do your research. Ephraim, do you have thoughts to add on that? I think Prim's being a little bit too quiet. I want to bring him into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, Prim, what do you think, brother? Yeah, I mean, so we have a few clients that are staffing firms, and I um, I spoke at one of the bigger staffing conferences, Staffing Tech, recently. And I, I first off, I agree with Lauren. I mean, I think there you have there's certain staffing firms that do a really good job of candidate experience. Um, there's others that are incentivized differently. Um, but but I do think there's one of the trends that we uncovered at the conference is I, I do think employers, so clients of staffing firms are beginning to demand certain things around overall candidate experience. So that starts with how the candidates are engaged from the very first um, point of contact with the staffing firm to when they get them. So employers are beginning. So I think employers have a lot of power um, as clients of staffing firms to be able to dictate what they want to see. Maybe they want more diversity, more diverse candidates. Maybe they want a better candidate experience. So I think you'll see those um, kind of tables turning and shifting a little bit. I also think generally the the staffing model of charging 20 to 30 percent of the salary, a first year salary of someone you place, that, that'll work in some cases, but I think technology is bringing about new efficiencies that can cause staffing firms to realize that the experience is also very important. Um, and then one last thing I'll add is um, if I was talking about um, you know, kind of those silver medalist candidates and bronze medalist candidates. Like one, one really important thing I think is, you know, right now um, the, the average job in the U.S. generally gets about 150 to 200 resumes. Mm. Right now during COVID, it's much more than that. So you, so say it's 400. Um, you have literally 400 opportunities to create a brand advocate, a brand ambassador. If you're a B2C company, maybe someone that will buy your product. Um, so I think not just focusing on the one person that got hired, but creating a good experience for all. And then keeping the silver medalists engaged. So if one person gets a job, how do you kind of keep in touch on, on a regular basis with these folks? Um, uh, Virgin Media did a study, which I mentioned a couple times, where they say they're losing about $6 million a year because candidates that have a negative experience will go to a competitor. So I think looking at employer brand is more than just a way to make a hire, but I mean, you're spending money to get people to even apply via your time or via paying for an Indeed post. So you have many opportunities, I think, even now with COVID to going back to Ephraim's point at the beginning to create goodwill and to help people, even if they don't end up being a hire. hire. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, it works like this, you know, action speaks louder than words. And, you know, we have a direct thing, a policy of action. And, you know, what the candidate's going to experience right now through a company is something that you mentioned before, they're not gonna forget. So taking that extra moment to give them the best possible experience. And even if let's say, God forbid, they don't get chosen, right? They will be able to tell someone else that's going, let's say, we'll apply for another role in your company saying, hey, I did have a good experience with this company.
You know, they did respond in a timely manner. They did get back to me. They gave me whatever reason. They took the time to call me on the phone or send me a customized email. Um, you know, they will, like you said, they will be a brand ambassador, even if they don't get chosen. But most times we see that the opposite happening because people are not doing that. And we do, you know, so we have to, they should keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really, I think it's, you know, as simple as, and it is hard with high volume, but I think it goes back to the beginning. It really is as simple as being heard and then getting expectations set appropriately so you know what to expect in the process. Yeah. And I think, too, it's it's for organizations to do some self-reflection, right, of like, where are our bottlenecks? I think it's really easy. I know as a recruiter, we get really just narrow, not narrow minded, but just kind of drilled in on, you know, the process. Right. And making sure that we're hitting timelines and we're getting the higher, um, you know, in the expected time. Um, but I think um, really doing little things like surveys and sending that out to candidates who made it to the first round, but didn't necessarily make it to the second round. Right. And getting that initial feedback back because we won't know unless we're asking our our target audience in our market right so i think as a as companies we really need to reflect on okay how can we get feedback in real time so we could pivot and adjust to make um the experience um even better than it already is so i think as as companies we have to really challenge ourselves every day and do a lot of self-reflection to help bridge that gap yeah i agree you can't can't change what you can't measure Exactly. <laughs> measure what matters. Right? Measure. Yeah. Quick, yeah. quick plug. If you are loving this episode, as I know, we know you are, please share it with your LinkedIn or your Twitter, wherever. Share with a friend of a friend or a teammate of a teammate, whatever, because this has been a fantastic episode with the lovely Prem, Ephraim, and Lauren. You know, really quick, you all, I want you all to go in and give us what is your one powerful takeaway for all the candidates that are tuning in right now who are watching and are trying to be resilient and get through this moment that we're all experiencing together. Lauren, I'll let you go first. Um. Thank you. Well, I'm super excited. I was super excited to be here and talk with everyone today. This is my first time doing this, so I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I had everything like You're seven. Natural. <laughs> so, um, thank you again for inviting me. But I think my biggest thing is this is your off season. Um, I don't know. I've been. I watched the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, and how hard Michael Jordan worked in his off season to be great. Like that, like inspired me. So I think, regardless if it's sports, if it's you know um, something in your personal life or um, work, you know, make every chance your off season. And I know times are tough right now, and and I know things are crazy. But what can you control? And really sharpen your axe and build your toolkit. So when that next job hits, mm-hmm. you're going to be a rock star, and you're going to do great. And they're going to employers are going to see that you put in that work. So keep hanging in there. Look at your data. But remember, like this is your time to really build the skill sets that maybe you've never really touched on before. So um, and then feel free to message me on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to answer any additional questions anyone might have. Um, I know it's kind of hard with the chat, but uh, seriously, reach out more than happy to connect and answer any other questions. Shout out to Lauren. Thank you so much for being such a servant leader when mm-hmm. it comes to supporting candidates. Ephraim, what are your thoughts? What's your one profit takeaway? One powerful thing. So first, I want to say like this, you know, like everything's a story. Everything's a story. Next <laughs> um, you know, when someone, God forbid, is sick, if they know what the sickness is, that already is half the cure because they don't have to search what the sickness is. They know what the sickness Now we have to find a way to cure it. This time right now that people are going through, it's going to pass. This time will pass. So definitely utilize like Lawrence, the experience right now in order to get to closer with your community, your family, 
your friends, also utilize the time to up to what's about take up your skills to next level, up your skills. But I want every single individual candidate to know that, you know, obviously if I had the opportunity to hire everyone, I would do that. But you know, the main thing is to know that you're not alone. There are people behind you supporting you. People are rooting for your success and we want you to succeed. You know, I know Tim, Prem, Lauren, and the, our whole entire team at A Thousand Hires um, are here to help you in any way possible for you to get a job, to create as much awareness around you, and to know that you're not alone. Because we, under the day, we're here in this world for 90 years, whatever, 90, 120 years, to literally make a difference, to impact someone else's life. There's no other reason why we're here. That's why we're here. And so I want you to know you're not, and much, and we're here to support you any way possible. Love it. Prem? Yeah, so I agree with with both both what Lauren and Ephraim said. I would say my message is more to employers. Um, you know, I, I would say leading leading with empathy is so huge now. If you have four hundred people applying, don't think about it as oh my gosh, I have to read four hundred resumes. But I have four hundred opportunities to make someone's life better, to help them in some way, to create a potential future customer maybe or a future brand advocate. So I, I would say take advantage of those touches you're getting because employer brands have never touch so many people at once um, with unemployment so high. That's powerful. That's powerful. Thank you all so much for joining us. And by the way, I want to give the last word to Stella De Silva, who has said, I've requested connect with all of you all on LinkedIn. So you all have new fans, new community members joining you all in your movement. I'm, I'm accepting it right now. showing <laughs> <laughs> you live that he's, expect, he's accepting your, 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 your connection with Stella. Thank you all so much. And we need to have you all on Ephraim and Lauren on a future episode. What do you think? I'm down. Sign me up. Let's do it. We're going to make okay. it. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Once again, I want to mention that this podcast episode, live podcast episode, was in partnership with our amazing partners, Humanly.io. Shout out to Humanly.io. If you haven't checked out their amazing solution that completely helps you rethink candidate experience, make sure you go check it out. And once again, please, 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 please join the 1,000 Hires movement and please follow the amazing Lauren Ortiz on LinkedIn and check out what she's doing and all of the amazing tidbits she's sharing with candidates to help them improve their candidate experience and find jobs for themselves. Lauren, Ephraim, Prem, thank y'all so much. We need to have you all back. What do you think? Yeah? Done. Let's do it. Okay, love it. Right back. Right. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Talk to y'all soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all. And that has been another amazing episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session with Ephraim, Prem, and the amazing... Lauren Ortiz, please check them out in the movements that they're leading. And once again, if you want to be a part of guideapp.co and the movement that we're leading, our platform is your platform. Check out guideapp.co. The beta is going phenomenal. We're enlisting amazing creators every single day. But more importantly, we're leading, we're, we're enlisting people who are leading their respective movements and who are really excited to be a part of our movement and to be joining them in their movement that they're leading with their communities. It's been amazing what we've been seeing, and we're iterating on the product every single week. So if you want to check out and have early access to Guide, check out guideapp.co. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in, Jonathan, Tiffany, Jelena, Hughes, Mr. Boucher, Stella. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? I think I am missing Danita. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode. If you love this episode, please share with your network. There was a lot of tidbits and takeaways on how do you improve the candidate experience, whether you're an organization. But also, if you're an employee and you're looking for an opportunity during this time, there's a lot of tips and takeaways that you can apply to make sure that you're positioning yourself to get that job. So please, please, please share this episode with a friend of a friend, 
who might be going through some issues or struggling to find an opportunity during this time. With that said, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Once again, join our movement. Our platform is your platform. And please check out guideapp.co and sign up for early access. All right, y'all. As always, see you tomorrow. And if you're in Oakland, shout out to Oakland. You're in the backyard. Let us know what you're doing in Oakland. And please tune in tomorrow for another episode of God Live B2B Jam Session. As always, y'all, peace, love, and abundance. Talk soon.